You're listening to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you conversations for the health of all things. In these special episodes, I am joined by guests on the show to explore how the osteopathic concept presents in their lives as we learn about their personal and professional stories. These conversations provide new perspective on lighting the path to best health. While I am a physician and might interview physicians, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Welcome back to Conversations for the Health of All Things. I'm so happy to bring these episodes back to the podcast, and I'm delighted to be joined by one of my dear classmates here for today's episode. Dr. Jeannie Lawrence is a board-certified psychiatrist and transformational life coach for women physicians. Currently located in Virginia, she is the CEO of Sanctuary Psychiatry, set to open in 2024, and the creator of Sanctuary for Women Physicians. Her mission is to help women, and especially women physicians, create lives that feel as good inside as they look from the outside. I'm so glad to have you here today. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'd love to begin, as we do in these episodes, with your story, and that can be the story into medicine, into your specialty, and then we'll evolve that into the work that you're doing currently. Yeah, I think um, when I look back that the seeds for me going into medicine started um, as a kid. My mom um, has been a registered nurse for I don't know, 30 or 40 years. Um, she would take me to the hospital uh, when I was young. I was a candy striper. Um, I met, you know, her nurse friends and her doctor colleagues and, um, you know, spent time um, in the PACU where she worked and and kind of got used to being in hospital settings uh, because of her. Um, I did not, however, have any idea that I would be a doctor um, at that young age. I um, have a creative side um, that I was way more focused on as a young person. I really loved to uh, read and write. I still do. Um, I played multiple instruments. I uh, used to be in theater. Um, and I really thought that I would, you know, grow up and <laughs> be in the arts or in in the, the English industry or something like that. Um, and so... Um, I went to to college with kind of two minds. I did like science. I really liked uh, biology um, as a high school student. Um, and so I thought I might major in, in biology, but then I also had this really strong pull towards, um, again, like English and literature and, and the arts and things like that. And so it was a tug of war. I uh, waited to the very last uh, <laughs> allowable moment to declare my major. And after, um, you know, putting pen to paper and kind of writing the pros and cons of each, I did decide on biology. Um, but that love of, um, you know, that other side of me, you know, never completely left. Um, mm-hmm. So I went on to be a bio major and then, um, and still didn't know that I would be going into medicine. It was really a, a just, I just liked it. <laughs> that was more the, the deciding factor there. But at some point I remember um, volunteering at a, a free medical clinic as a, as a, a college student. And that was where it like kind of all connected for me. Um, I really liked the clinic um, environment. I loved uh, the, the patients that we were serving. I just liked being a part of um, the team, the milieu um, of folks who were coming together to uh, help these people who are underserved um, to 
to have better health outcomes. And so um, it was then that I decided that I was going to, you know, be a doctor, go to med school, actually um, thought for a while to bracket up a little bit that I'd be a PA (laughs) um, Mm. before I decided on being a physician. And then um, after uh, doing like some shadowing and preparation for that, I thought, no, I think I'll, I'll, I'll go the physician route. And so that's how I got into medicine. My goodness. I love all these parallels. So my mom was also a nurse and I was in that medicine or music, you know, tug of war too. And just knowing that you can bring those pieces with you. I talk to a lot of my clients about that. So how do you see that writer, you, that creative, you, the musician and actor in you coming forward into your practice of medicine? I will say that a lot of that got a little bit buried, like after I did decide to go the doctor route, um, you know, through med school and residency, there wasn't uh, a time or space to um, indulge that that side of things. Um, I reconnected to um, my creative side actually after going through burnout. Um, uh, so it was a few years into uh, practicing, um, you know, as an attending and really wanted um really thought it was necessary at that point to reconnect to my, to my creative side after having put it away for so long. And so, um, I, my first step back into, into that part of me was through writing. I wanted to start a blog just as a creative outlet. Um, I had real, no real intention behind it, except that, um, you know, I wanted to write again. Um, I had, um, made a lot of life changes that I was like really excited about. I, my health was improving. I had found uh, coaching tools and um, felt much more in control of my life and felt a lot better. And so I wanted to kind of just write about that. And um, and that's that's what I did. Um, I didn't publish my writing for a while. It was just between me and my husband. And I, <laughs> at the time, I was even more introverted than I, than I am now. This is before I started, um, you know, any kind of business school training or anything like that. Um, But what happened was the pandemic came about like after I'd been doing a little bit of writing and that gave me a push to uh, hit publish on the blog that was kind of secret (laughs) uh, Mm -hmm. for a while because I thought, hmm, this is like a way that I could contribute um, because a lot of my writing was around um, like mental health and well-being and um, things were like very scary for everybody like in early 2020 when we had no idea, you know, uh, what this virus was and what this pandemic was going to turn out to be. And so um, writing a bit about mental health and well-being was a way that I felt I could contribute. And so um, that actually is what gave me the push to um, start publishing a blog. And then I did that regularly um, for some time. I think now, um, you know, the creative side comes in now that I've started, that blog has grown into businesses and I'm able to, um, you know, uh, start a business and create a business around uh, what I think is the the best way to to help patients. And so I, I'm allowed a lot of obviously um, space to be creative and and kind of draw outside the lines of, of what I was taught in medicine. And so that's what I really enjoy. And how yeah, I got what an interesting idea, right? That your antidote to burnout wasn't something new necessarily, but a return, right? To who you'd always been that got left behind. And I always wonder about that in medicine, right? We have all these amazing things that we put on our application to bring us to be great candidates for medical school and then leave it at the door. And what if we're able to bring that with us and call those creative pieces into being? That's so amazing that you were able to rekindle it. So we heard your story into medicine and the tug of war and the journey there and why your choice of specialty, right? That's one of the questions that always comes up for physicians. How did you end up 
in that space? Did it surprise you? Was it natural that that's where you would go into psychiatry? I think it was a surprise for sure. Um, I always tell this story um, when I was just, I think we were like just in the, um, like touring med schools and things like that. I met uh, one of the deans of the school. We were like touring, touring the campus. She happened to be a psychiatrist. Um, and I turned to her and I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know psychiatrists were doctors. Um, so I didn't even know that psychiatry was a medical specialty that I could mm-hmm. go into. And she was really uh, gracious <laughs> to explain that. Yes, uh, indeed, uh, psychiatry is a, is a medical specialty and psychiatrists are medical doctors. And um and so, yeah, that was totally a surprise. I, I'm sure I was thinking more along the lines of, um, you know, internal medicine, family medicine, pediatrics, things that I had that I was familiar with um, as, mm-hmm. I, as I went into uh, residency or to, into med school, rather. Um, you know, uh, throughout med school, that third year, like where it's at the point where we kind of rotated through all the, the various specialties. And I think psychiatry was my last or second to last uh, rotation. And so I'd been through everything. Uh, I, I liked everything well enough. Um, when I got to psychiatry, it just like hand in glove. Like that was mm-hmm. <laughs> very clear to me that that was um, the right fit for me. Like um, I can't really explain it any more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I kind of followed my gut on that. I had some opposition. <laughs> I had um, things, friends, even family say like, oh, what a weird choice. Or like, why would you go to med school <laughs> to become mm-hmm. a psychiatrist? Because they too were only familiar with, um, uh, you know, some of the other uh, specialties that I just mentioned. And so um, I had to push through that um, and kind of follow uh, what felt right to me. And I'm, I'm really glad that I did. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, nice sometimes in a world that always wants logic and reasons to be able to say, you know, it it simply just was, right? It felt like the right thing to do. So you enter into that space and you mentioned we're in practice for a couple of years when you experienced your own burnout. Can you see now retrospectively what some of the major contributing factors might have been? Yeah. Well, um, I went into that particular job where I started experiencing burnout thinking it was going to be a really great fit for me. Um, Mm -hmm. It was at a community mental health center. Um, I always really liked um, in residency more acute patients. Um, And so, um, but I was far enough along in my career that I I wanted to do outpatient. So it felt like a good uh, way to um, be in the outpatient setting, but still work with uh, people who were really sick. Um, I thought I'd see a lot of psychotic um, disorders and things like that, which always was very um, interesting to me. Um, but my experience was very different. Um, the the um, the clinic setting was uh, very underserved. Um, they had been without a psychiatrist for a really long time before I got there. Um, so um, people were really, really sick. Um, and um, I wanted to, to be able to help obviously but the 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 uh, clinic was run in such a way that the volume was excessively high the appointments were like 15 minutes long um and i was still kind of asked to turn through patients in a way that didn't feel um very aligned um for me with you know why i went into um, medicine why i went into psychiatry why i was you know um wanting to to work with these patients i knew um that what i was providing um you know quick med checks was far from adequate to, to help, um, 
the people in front of me. They had like really real problems that went beyond just, you know, the biological and their need for uh, medication, um, you know, their mm-hmm. social issues and psychological factors and all these things at play um, that I didn't have time to um, touch. And so that was really demoralizing, like, um, and it felt kind of, um, again, not aligned at all with with why I wanted to be there. And so I think that was a big um, contributor uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Not only that, but just the, the pace was, you know, didn't feel uh, really safe or, or adequate for what, mm-hmm. what folks did. So, yeah. yeah. And I see in there too, we talk in osteopathic medicine about the relationship between structure and function. And it sounds like it simply wasn't set up, right. To have the function that you were seeking of being able to treat, you know, acute and really, you know, nuanced illness, you didn't have the time, you didn't have the space, you didn't have what was needed for that. And sometimes we have to readdress and say what setup is right for me to do the work that really means a lot to me. And so you mentioned bringing back the creative pieces. What were the other solutions that helped you step out of that burnout experience? I think um, probably the biggest thing was um, recognizing that I had some level of control. I think at a, at a certain point, um, you know, when you're dealing with burnout um, or a great many things, right. It can bring Mm -hmm. about these feelings of feeling, you know, kind of um, disempowered or like you don't have any choices or like, um, you know, all these things are happening, right. Is, you know, the, the way the clinic was set was out of my control. The, the, the presentation of the patients was out of my control. Like nothing really felt like I could um, again, um, exert any of my own personal power. And so um, it was really like coaching tools that I became introduced to that helped me see that um, actually I did have um, some things that I could um, control. And it started inward, uh, you know, it started with, my thinking and my believing and, and, and then from there I could, um, you know, start to, uh, be autonomous in my life again. And so, um, I think that was also a really huge part of healing mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And bringing that through, we also see one of our tenants is that inherent self-healing capacity. So realizing all I have, right. These pieces within me that I can exercise to reclaim autonomy and authority agency in my life. Love that. And so we often get the question in coaching, like, what's the difference right, between psychiatry and coaching, therapy and coaching? And you have this unique position where you hold both roles in a lot of ways. And how do you outline that? How do you notice those distinctions and help maybe those who are interested in what they might need to support their own mental, physical, emotional health with psychiatry and or coaching? Yeah, it's a good question. I get it a lot. Um, the way I like to describe it is, um, you know, think of an, an athlete, um, right? Um, an athlete who um, obviously um, at a, at certain points and, and most points probably is going to need a benefit from a, a coach, right, to um, push them forward, to help them move towards their, their goals um, in, in their particular sport. Um, but sometimes that, that athlete might get injured. Right. And that's when their, their physical therapist might come in or their OT or whoever other, um, other parts of their team might come into play to kind of, um, help them heal that, that injury and get them back up to, um, up to speed so that they can, um, play and better engage with the coach and, 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 um, in their, in their sport. And so I kind of like to think of it that way, right? Like the, like we we're we're the athlete in this game of life, if you want to continue with that analogy. And, um, you know, I feel like a, 
the your your therapist and in in combination sometimes with your psychiatrist um, is there primarily to help um help you heal, help you grow, help things to get um, to a stable enough point. And then the the coaching kind of picks up to kind of push things um, and get you to the next level. Yeah, that's super helpful. And I think that's important to know too, that both are necessary and not I mean there's anything wrong with that athlete, right? The athlete is simply going through the work of training and performing, which sometimes has injury and sometimes has right performance enhancement. So those are really helpful ways to think about it. And so as you grow this new practice and the sanctuary for women, what is your motivation there, right? So we see clinical practice and maybe some of the shortcomings, reclaiming your autonomy. So how did this all come to fruition, this work that you're doing now? So I think um, Sanctuary for Women Physicians, which is my coaching program, really was born from uh, my own personal experience with burnout at first. Um, And then it kind of, which I wrote about, like that's my blog kind of started around um, some of that uh, mental health and personal growth. Um, But it it became uh, bigger than the the writing and the blog, um, again, in COVID. And it was because I was started sharing it online, um, and especially in like some physician groups that I was in. And I was also spending a lot more time online and becoming involved in some of these physician groups, like on Facebook and such, where um, physicians were like getting together and having these conversations, like only amongst other doctors that that other people weren't really privy to. And it became very clear that um, there were so many people, so many physicians, especially women physicians who, um, especially at the height of COVID, but even now, like after, you know, post-COVID and, and before, um, we're really struggling um, not only with burnout, but depression and um, mental health concerns. And the, the thing was that there was no safe place really for them to talk about it, um, except amongst other um, physicians. There was a lot of worry and concern about, um, you know, seeking mental health treatment or even knowing if one should um, and what repercussions might might come, you know, if you did uh, make that choice to try to connect, um, you know, with psychiatry or therapy or, or whatever, um, you know, because of questions that are asked on, you know, by licensing boards and things like that. Um, there, there was, um, there's a lot that goes in, there's a lot, there's a unique struggle, I think, that, that mm-hmm. physicians have. Um, that I was really tapping into and had experienced myself and just seeing all around me where um, because of a lack of a, a safe place to kind of just be human beings, right, instead of like the doctor or the the buttoned up mm-hmm. professional or the, um, you know, the machine who's not supposed to feel anything, but just keep uh, working, working, working. I think there's a lack of um, space for physicians to be just human beings who are vulnerable and sometimes need extra help and support in a judgment-free way. And so um, wanting to bridge that gap and fill that need is is how I got here. Yes, I love that. And opening those spaces, right, and that safety is so important because there are repercussions. We could talk about policy around that and shifting the culture, but doing that at the ground level with one individual at a time and groups as they come forward really has a lot of power and merit. And I'm curious about your practice that's launching. So will that be also for women physicians or is that a broader based uh, medical care and where can people find you for that work? Yeah. So, um, 
I want women physicians to come to to my practice. I think it's going to be open to um, a bit broader base, but um, kind of like you said in my intro, it's like especially for <laughs> for women in medicine. Um, for the reasons I just said, I think it's really um, I think it's really needed for women physicians to feel like there is a there's a colleague um, who um, mm-hmm. and colleagues out there who um, understand, first of all, what it is to be a physician and um, can help uh, with the the mental health concerns and the and the well being desires that that we all have. Um, I, I've spoken to a great many physicians, right? And you can you can get help in some ways, but sometimes you know it, people don't understand, uh, even if they are mental health professionals, if they're not. Um, also physicians as well and focused on on this particular group. So that's the long answer to your question. Um, the focus of the practice is women. I want women physicians to um, mm-hmm. feel like this is a, a place where they can get the support that they need. Um, it is open uh, to to uh, other, other uh, folks as well, uh, women in general, um, especially. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. And tell us a little more about the name, right? So we all have kind of our relationship with that word sanctuary and I always love on all my podcasts to dive into the different meanings we can have so what drew you to that to really be the anchor point of the work that you're doing uh sanctuary to me is um a safe space um it's the sacred space it's a place for peace um it's also a place for healing and for growth and for transformation and so I think with the different hats that I wear um I'm a psychiatrist. I also do therapy and then I coach as well. Like, you know, it really is about, um, as I said, um, helping women uh, find a safe space. First of all, I think that's like the first step. Um, creating safety in that space is the first part of my process and, and helping people just feel like, you know what, I can just be myself, right? I don't have to, um, you know, hide behind all the doctor mask and all that kind of thing, all the um, responsibilities and all of the expectation I can just be myself. And um, from that place, right, um, there is a sense of relief um, and peace. And um, from there, we can start to grow and, and transform. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think sanctuary yeah. kind of covers all of the Absolutely. The Just seeing those words, saying them, right? Sacred and safe and transformation. You feel it. You feel it in your body and how that can really be helpful in those spaces. I'm curious too. So as we talk about mind, body, spirit, and that integration, you've talked about, right? Shifting your own mindset as being that first step forward out of burnout and this transformation really has those spiritual pieces. I'm curious what you notice either in your practice in psychiatry or therapy or coaching on the physical expression of that. We always talk about, right? The body keeps score is a book that comes up a lot in this moment, looking at trauma. How do you notice the physical expression of some of these challenges that people might not be as attuned to that it might actually relate to some of the other mental or spiritual pieces that are contributing. I understand your question uh, correctly. I'll just, you know, tell you what I've observed for sure. Um, I mean, we know that there's a huge uh, physical impact, obviously, of um, anything that we're dealing with mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Um, I'm thinking of a, a person I just started working with recently who's, you know, been sharing with me some of her stress and anxiety that has 
that comes with being a woman physician um, who's still in clinical practice, but who's also like trying to grow businesses and things like this. And um, the amount of tension that she like, uh, you know, carries in her, in her neck and like the knots that her, um, that, that are pointed out to her when she tries to get a massage and the, um, the inability to, to rest and relax fully um, and to be, to feel safe. <laughs> right. Really on, on a regular basis. I think there's a very, um, physical um, thing that happens when we're um, in that stress response and that um, in that space where we're not feeling safe. I've spoken to other women physicians who have um, shared um, even stronger visceral responses to the experience of being um, in medicine. Medicine has been very traumatizing for, for, for many physicians. Um, you know, one, I'm thinking of one uh, client who talked about um, being kind of who cringes like at the color of the walls that were in the hospital mm-hmm. that she's now uh, leaving um, mm-hmm. after, uh, you know, 12 years of being really mm-hmm. um, kind of beat down by that system, that salmon pink color that now mm-hmm. evokes like a really cringy feeling in her body, right. That she really feels or um, a- another person who, before she uh, found her own healing and her own work was having panic attacks outside of the hospital. So yes, like there's, there's this uh, very mm-hmm. real connection between, um, you know, the mental and emotional stress and struggling struggle, right. And then what happens um, in the body and what I see, right. Um, as I work with um, work with these women over time, um, it, it really is a very tangible uh change like in the way they present and the way they look right that um that stress that is kind of apparent like on their faces and in their shoulders and um and the way they they interact kind of releases over time and they become more I think themselves um mm-hmm. that more relaxed true version of themselves um and so it's it's kind of cool to see I think the two are inextricably uh, to wrap it up <laughs> inextricably connected um and I think that um when the the emotional and mental side um gets better the the physical goes along um so yeah those are powerful illustrations and you navigated the question beautifully <laughs> and I think it's so important to be able to see those pieces you know in my specialty people come in because of the physical manifestations and so many times it's that reverse engineering yes right this muscle is tight this rib isn't moving and right what are some other underlying factors keeping this in play and it can be difficult because people might think oh you're saying it's all in my head and it's like well no I'm thinking there's a connection right between what's in your mind in your heart, in your muscles, and how do we really support all of those? So I, I love that you're able to give that space for these women physicians to work that out on all the different layers and levels. Yeah. I'm curious, and there's so many things, and it's hard. We can't just bottle it off into one, but is there something you might offer to women physicians who are tuning in now? Is there a tool, right? Some easy practice they might implement if they begin to maybe notice tension in their system, stress from their work that you have found to be reliable to at least ease the challenge a little bit? Yeah. Uh, for, I think something that's accessible to anybody, um, you know, regardless of where you are in your personal growth journey or what tools you have access to is our breath. Um, mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, my favorite go-to and it's you know, very reliable is 
is breathing, right? Um, a lot of times we lose that connection with our, our bodies, but tuning back into our, our breath, taking a few moments, and you can do this anywhere on, on the go as a busy woman physician and, uh, you know, doing a four count breath in, you know, mm-hmm. through your nose, uh, holding it for a few seconds, and then a long exhale out through your mouth like uh, mm-hmm. twice as long, so four, four in and eight out is what I like to do, is a way to do that a few times and just to kind of release, right, some of that stress that is 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 building and built up in, in your body and just enough to kind of uh, clear your mind enough for it so that you can make that next busy step that you have. I'll tell you, when I used to work in the hospital, um, the other thing I would do that was also very accessible for the most part, like maybe you can like run to the bathroom or (laughs) when you have a moment, I would do this when I was eating lunch sometimes is to like, listen to um, like a quick meditation. Um, There's so many apps that have them, but um, that was just another way to kind of um, take some of the edge off. um, Right. Another way to focus on the breath um, and uh, get even more in tune with other parts of your body as well. Um, and and try to uh, bring a little bit of ease to a, a probably stressful day. Yeah, and that's such an important reminder because we often think it has to be, you know, really long or take equipment or be really profound. And breath is profound, obviously, but it's also simple and available if we don't have to overcomplicate to offer ourselves some relief in each and every moment. And even preventatively, right, to say, you know what, maybe a couple times a day you just come to your breath, even if you're not feeling particularly stressed in that moment. Yes, I love that. And how would people find you to work with you if they were interested either from the psychiatry or the therapy or the coaching standpoint? Yeah, so they can uh, find me on my website. Um, It's JeannieLawrenceMD.com. You can find links there to, uh, you know, connect with me and to uh, clinical services as well as as coaching services. Um, so, yeah, I'm also on Instagram under my name, Dr. Jeannie Lawrence, MD. So that's another good place to find me. Excellent. I appreciate that. And we've heard lots of different ways, but I wonder if you could put it all together. How do you see yourself for the health of all things? It's a great question. Um <laughs> I see myself as kind of um, bridging a gap. Um, I see myself as like helping people uh, wherever they are, basically in their in their uh, journeys, um, especially around mental and emotional well being. Um, there are going to be times when you're looking pretty well, but inside might be struggling. That's kind of the um, that high functioning uh, woman, right. Who might benefit, who may not have an illness or injury at, at the time, right. And might benefit from coaching, but also um, I, 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 something I didn't talk about is that I feel like mental health is quite more, it's much more fluid than, than we are taught to, to believe. And it's mm-hmm. much more a continuum than, than black and white or, or binary. Um, mm-hmm. And so Meeting a woman uh, wherever she is on her journey, um, she may be, you know, relatively well now, but something comes up, right? And and she may need a little bit extra, um, like therapeutic kind of support. Being able to meet her wherever she is and move her towards that that point B is um, is what I see. I also think that 
that mental health and well-being is foundational to all the other things that we um, aspire to. I, you know, most of the women I work with, um, regardless of where they are on their journeys, have a dream, right, of thriving, uh, whatever that means for them, going beyond just getting rid of mental health symptoms, but like, you know, really feeling alive and purposeful and enjoying a lot of positive emotion and feeling like they're making a difference in the world. And so, um, I support that. And I believe that, um, a foundational piece to that really is, um, around our emotional well-being and exerting some control, even at that level, at that inner level, right? Like we have control, um, even in our inner lives. And when you realize that and understand how to cultivate, um, that positive emotion, then that spills over into these other areas of life where you're able to, you know, achieve dreams, achieve, achieve goals, uh, beat burnout, things like that. And so, um, yeah, I see myself as across yeah. the continuum. Well, connection, it really is right. Lack of connection is one of the highest, you know, most detrimental impacts on our health. So being a bridge is such a beautiful way to illustrate how you're contributing to the health of all things. And I do want to just touch on that briefly because that your mission, right. To help them feel as good inside as they look on the outside. And something that's come up for me, you know, personally, and as I observe colleagues, is we often check on those who appear to be struggling, which is important, but also those who are really nailing it. Sometimes it might be like, check in on your high-performing friends and just say, hey, how's it going, right? Do you need a rest? You know, I'm here for you. And that's often not somewhere we look because it's like, oh, they got it all together. We're good. And being able to say, oh, it's okay, right? To, to not have it all together. Um, so that right especially for women physicians who expect themselves to have it all together yeah so you hit the nail on the head like that really is <laughs> the that's why I focus on women physicians um because we are in that category of women who generally look really good right like we um look like we have it all together like <laughs> um and I think that that is a unique struggle that people don't recognize um it's a unique struggle to um be a human being, but be expected to appear superhuman, right? People don't check on you. People don't expect you to um, be vulnerable um, and to, to need help and support. And that's a, that's why, you know, the rates of suicide are, are so high and why the, the rates of mental illness are, are so high um, in, in this group. I think your question was how to address that. Is Was that? Yeah, if was you that have, you know, again, like wrap it all up in a neat bow for us, but what is a gentle way we can ask, right? Because we often think there's, we're breaking some kind of wall, you know, how do we even get into that space of saying, I'm here for you, or it's okay to need help, you know, to someone who might seem like they don't need it, right, on the surface. Have you found an effective way to, to make that ask of anyone or just maybe open the space for them to step into? Yeah, I think the way you said it is is spot on. Like, you know, um, hey, you know, I'm here for you. Um, you know, I see you. Um, I think that opening that space is a matter of, I, I think it's more than one, one question, by the way, but I think some of this is like having conversations like this. I hope that other women physicians will hear this conversation and realize that however they've been feeling, um, is, is okay. Right. And that there are, uh, people and avenues out there that are, um, 
that see you and are willing to help you specifically, you know, uh, you don't have to have it all together. It's okay for you not to. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, just from a, a genuine place, especially from um, an, a fellow woman physician, right? Well, wow, that could be so powerful, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, when you add, just to ask or say, you know, hey, can I help you? Can I support you? I'm here for you. Um, no judgment. I, I feel like that can can go a long way. But I think it really does start with more conversations like this. So I'm really glad that um, I, I appreciate you uh, giving this platform and this space and the work that you do uh, with with physicians to kind of uh, normalize some of some of the help seeking uh, behaviors in this space where it's okay that we're not okay all the time. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I love that we've opened this up here as we're wrapping the podcast. We'll have to come back together, reconvene (laughs) and share these conversations. And thank you for sharing your story, for your vulnerability, right? Your blog, really opening that space to say, hey, I had these challenges too. And here's what's working for me. Let me be of service if I can. So that's really amazing and such a unique intersect of all the different hats you wear. And that presents a unique opportunity for women physicians to gather all those resources that they need. So thank you for all that you offer and for taking the time to be here today. We'll put all of your contact information in the show notes and to our colleagues. If you are having a challenge, reach out to us, reach out. We'll place the hotline information in the notes as well, because the challenge is real and you're not alone. And so we want to make sure you have the support that you need from any of us that can be of use to you. Thank you so much for tuning in. We look forward to continuing these conversations. We'll speak with you soon, Dr. Lauren. Thanks so much for having me. This was great. I hope you enjoyed this episode of This Osteopathic Life, Conversations for the Health of All Things. Please take a moment to like, rate, and review the podcast. And if you would like to be featured as a guest or nominate someone you would like to hear on the podcast, send me an email, thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com. You can also visit the website, thisosteopathiclife.com, or find This Osteopathic Life on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for listening.